Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. This is not a game that we particularly feel like recapping. The Knicks lost 119 to 93 to the Spurs on the road. It was a laugher. And Gavin, as a result, we decided we're going to talk about it just for the first segment today and then continue with everybody's mailbag questions. And we have a very fun theme for this episode. Yeah, Alex, it's about that time. We're talking trades. We're debating uh, if we could add any player in the league just for the rest of this season to the Knicks, who would it be and why? We are surprisingly in agreement on our guy. More on that in a little bit. And then we we get into some of the more like specific names out there, guys like Victor Oladipo, uh, Bradley Beal, who maybe the Knicks could actually target, how they could go about getting those guys, which of them we would want to go after. All that and more right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Starts with a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up, up. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. And he's fouled. Anthony for three. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. I am Alex Wolf. I'm editor in chief of Knicks site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. He is Gavin Shaw, a play by play announcer by day, Knicks podcaster by night. And this is your recap of probably the least enjoyable game of the season, which is why we decided to condense it to approximately seven to eight minutes, Gavin, uh, to, you know, sort of skirt around the fact that the Knicks got absolutely pummeled in this game. It was 119-93, lost to the Spurs. Uh, you know, it was, I can't even, I, the only positive thing I could think of to talk about in this game is that Frank Nilakina drew a surprise start after Derrick Rose was ruled out. Uh, like a little over an hour before game time, I think. Um, he got ruled out due to COVID protocols. They wouldn't say whether he caught COVID or whether it was just contact tracing or whatever, because like, you know, um, privacy and all that. But he was out for the game. And so everybody thought that it might be Quickly's first start. And then it was revealed it was Frank's first start. And despite the fact that he didn't have, you know, as usual, he didn't have the blow you away box score numbers. He was, you know, providing the timely hooping that the Knicks needed uh, in this game. And, you know, I, I think that things kind of fell apart, especially on defense when he wasn't out there. Um, I, You know, I thought that this was, if you're going to take one positive away from this game, it would be Frank Nolakina's play. But what's uh, what's your kind of takeaway on that? First off, I guess, could you think of a single other positive other than Frank's play? Well, I'll, I'll, maybe this can be perceived as a positive. I'll, I'll push back slightly against your assertion that this is the worst game of the year. I think just because of Frank and quickly getting hot late and Obi having a couple of dunks, there was a there was a small entertainment factor as competitive for a half. I would say that Raptors game early in the season is still probably you know, number one. The Matt that's block. true, and I yeah. I was lucky enough to miss that game. Oh, there you, go. Was, there you go. <laughs> that was the one on New Year's Eve, and. I missed that game because uh, I was with some friends, you know, with a handful of friends having New Year's festivities. And uh, 
wound up not seeing that catastrophe of a game. So, yeah, I guess I, I can't really speak to that. Or I guess I did watch it the next day, but I only half paid attention because I knew that they got wallets. Yeah. So the, the stink had worn off of it at that point, and I was able to just kind of like look up for the key moments, and that was it. Well, so pre- I question time on, on, on your part. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. Uh, great night for Frank Nilekina. It really came down to like one four-minute stretch in the second half where he drained three threes in four possessions um, and showed off some – Great chemistry with with Julius Randle, who who repeatedly uh, set him up. His shot uh, continues to look really, really good. I know a lot of people were like, I, I would keep like when I was arguing for him to get back into the rotation. I would keep referencing uh, that one game earlier in the season where he went four for four from three, and people were like, all right, but that's that's such a small sample size. You're drawing way too much from that. And I kept saying, and I think what a lot of people who who are fans of Frank just saying, but like, yeah, like look, just look how smooth his shot looked, and, and it looks smooth right now. And and I know you you've long noted, Alex, that. His form has always been pretty picturesque. It was, it was more so his release point and his timing on a shot and obviously his confidence to, to have that consistency and have that strong follow-through shot in and shot out. But I like that he started feeling himself. Like the first one was, was probably the easiest. Like uh, Randall just penetrated middle um, and and like just and, and they kind of left Frank alone as if he were Alfred Payton, calmly hit the shot. Next one was a step back and he had like a little bit of juice on it. And I, I was just, I, I got kind of hyped when he made that because that, that that's a shot that, I mean, far from making, he never would have taken in the past. And then the third one, I mean, all the credit goes to Julius Randle, who did not have a good night, but this was, I thought, his play of the game. Drew a double team, and he's done this a couple times this year, mostly with Reggie Bullock. Seemingly, there's no chance in the world that he should have been able to see Frank Nilakina. But uh, it's a it's a comment I got on Twitter on it. I think it was from Nick's Japan was the name of the account, if I'm remembering correctly. But it's also something I heard uh, PD Webb, Schwinny Poo, and Prez talking about on the great Pod Strickland, where Randall um, he, he's given Tibbs a lot of credit for just pointing out where guys are going to be on the floor and 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 ensuring that within his offensive infrastructure there's some consistency in terms of where guys on the floor and that allows Randall to occasionally make like these crazy like no look intuitive passes where he jumps in the air and is spinning around originally looking towards the opposite side of the court having no assurance that someone is in a spot but just kind of having faith like all right that guy's supposed to be there he's going to be there more often than not it's been Reggie Bullock who's been on the receiving end of those this time it was Frank who nailed his third straight three also had a nice pull up and a nice layup a little earlier in the game uh really really awesome night for Frank Nilakina. I thought defensively it wasn't one of the best performances of his career like Patty Mills made, made a few really tough shots on him he had a really nice charge at the end of the first half but overall, um, I think he continues to prove why he deserves a spot in the rotation right there with Reggie Bullock for the best 3 and D guy on the roster. Yeah, I'm with you. Like, I, you know, I, I don't think that he necessarily provided, you know, point guard responsibilities for all of his time out there. But that's kind of the nice thing about Frank is that, you know, to your point, he can be that 3 and D presence like a Reggie Bullock. But with respectable ball handling, you know, like if his three point shooting is for real. And again, you you already noted, like, I definitely am a believer in his shot. Um, I Prez is a huge guy. That's a, a, uh, Frank Nilakina, you know, shot truther as well. And I've, I've definitely bought into his analysis of it. Uh, you know, as far as release point and how Frank shoots the ball, it's very conducive to once he gets that form perfect, which it seems like now he does, and that consistency, uh, it's he's going to be a knockdown shooter. Like he's he's just got it. 
Uh, and it seems like maybe that time is now. I guess we'll see, you know, maybe a little too soon to be throwing the victory parade just yet, but it seems like the time is close. And then, you know, what's good is he can hit those catch and shoot looks like crazy, but if you need someone to run a pick and roll, he can do that. If you need, you know, someone to uh, just kind of be the guy to make the right pass on the perimeter, he can certainly be that guy too. You know, he has very good instincts for the game. He always has. And he's always, you know, despite the tentativeness, which is the biggest knock on him always, um, you know, he always seems to have, uh, other than maybe for himself, he seems to have a pretty good idea of what the end result of any given play should be. And he's getting better at figuring it out about himself as well. Like he's not afraid now to, you know, just take a quick little screen to, uh, you know, go for a floater or a runner, whatever you want to call it, like he did today. Um, he's not afraid to, you know, take it to the rim from time to time and, you know, go for a layup or even a dunk once in a blue moon. Um, he has that really nice mid range jumper that has become, you know, sort of a staple for him too that pull up mid range game. And, uh, you know, he's, he's got a lot going for him. And, you know, I think you mentioned the, the play already a minute ago, uh, amongst all the others, but the, my favorite one by far was the one where, you know, he, he got the ball on the perimeter. Randall set a, uh, you know, like a quick little screen for him. And Frank just took a really nice sidestep further into that uh, right-hand corner and just like nailed the three-pointer right there. That was probably the best play of the game from him in the sense that, you know, those are hard shots to make where it's not a catch and shoot per se. You know, he caught it and he wanted to shoot, but he wasn't open enough. And so he used the screen by Randall took that nice sidestep and like it's not necessarily movement shooting so to speak which is you know what you talk about when a guy's coming off hard off of like a off ball screen and then catches it and immediately fires but you know it's it's a sidestep you know step back type of three and if if frank could start hitting those sort of shots too a la like steve novak back in the day you know he was kind of a king of that sort of thing where he would get the ball pump fake and then take one step to the side and can the three from there. You know, if, if Frank can get that sort of shot to go for him consistently, then that, that could be a difference maker for him in his NBA career and hopefully for sticking with the Knicks. But yeah, I, I do think like the one thing that I will say about the Frank lineups is that I do think that to some degree, the Knicks missed having Derrick Rose out there in the starting lineup for that penetration and the kickout ability that comes with that. But I also think that, you know, Julius Randle and the rest of the starting lineup had to spend basically that whole first quarter getting used to Frank, you know, being out there as the starter because things just run a little differently with him than Derek Rose uh, naturally. And, you know, it also requires more of, you know, primary ball handling for RJ and for, uh, you know, Randle. And it just kind of, it was a little bit of an adjustment period. Ironically, the adjustment period, happened in the first half when the Knicks managed to keep it kind of close. And then once they sort of seemed like they had it figured out, things were clicking better in the second half, but the shots just weren't going down. And then the Spurs just got like stupid nuclear bomb hot from outside. And, you know, ultimately that just cost the Knicks game. Yeah. And that's, I think that's a nice wrap up on the game. Maybe when we come back, we could go rapid fire on some other guys. Maybe we'll just go straight to the mailbag. Who knows? But first, I want to tell everyone about one of my favorite uh, products on the market, and that is CBD MD. 
March is National Sleep Month, and as the official CBD of a good night's sleep, our good friends at CBDMD want to help you celebrate the right way. They've got dozens of options to help you relax, recharge, and enhance your nighttime routine, and there's nothing more calming than a nice hot bath. I've long, I've long been a big bath guy. I, I love a jacuzzi during COVID. It's, it's hard to find an open one, so I'll, I'll settle for a nice bath. Um, I actually might prefer a bath with some of my favorite CBDMD products. CBD bath salts fuse superior CBD with a mixture of Epsom, Dead Sea, and Himalayan, all the top salts, to turn any bathtub into a luxury spa experience. Choose from lavender or eucalyptus scents or a soothing nighttime blend with melatonin and calming herbs. While CBD bath bombs provide a refreshing, relaxing bath experience by combining 100 milligrams of CBD with essential oils, Epsom salt, and calming natural scents to help you soak the day away. During these tough times, all I want to do is soak the day away, so that's just great. And to make it even easier to relax, regroup, and recharge, they're offering all our listeners 25% off your next order when you use the promo code NBA at checkout. Once again, that's cbdmd.com, promo code NBA for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD products from CBDMD. We're covering everything you need to know about the Knicks, but what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get podcasts. You are Locked On Knicks. We are back. Second segment, Knicks falling to the Spurs 119-93. to This game was horrible. We don't want to harp on it too long. So, Alex, I'm going to wrap it up by going rapid fire up and down the roster. My thoughts on each guy. Here we go. I'm going to get it done in, I'm going to say, three minutes, which is which is a challenge. Do the, do the MSG 150. Oh, That's 150 wow. seconds in lockdown podcast. <laughs> the ultimate challenge. All right. All right. Uh, people can time me on this. Three, two, one. Julius Randle just didn't have it tonight. Was clearly exhausted. He 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 earned himself a crummy game because he's been so good for so long. Incredibly consistent. Not having Derrick Rose, I, I think, weighed him down. He felt like he had a lot on his plate, especially early in the game. Took something like seven of the first twelve shots. Filled some great passes. Filled some great plays. Uh, he is an all-star. Reggie Bullock, nothing on offense defensively. I thought he did a very good job on Demar Derozan. Nerlens Noel, learn how to catch. Frank Nilkina already went over. R.J. Barrett, uh, I would say a mixed bag in this one. He, uh, Lonnie Walker, the th- I, the fourth, the fourth, I believe, literally like almost broke his ankle at one point. But R.J. did a good job, like bullying his way inside. Like uh, he drew a foul, then got a layup on Lonnie Walker in back-to-back possessions, just using his physicality. Went one for two from three, got to the free throw line six times. Uh, overall, a pretty good game on a night when a lot of people didn't have very good games. Obi Toppin, I thought the first quarter was the best defensive quarter. Of his season, he, he was so, so good. Had a possession where like he hedged out for a hard double, stopped someone on a switch, and then came back down to draw a charge. Uh, just excellent. Some good passes, some highlight reel dunks. Had, a tr- had his traditional uh, horribly missed corner three-pointer. Kevin Knox came off the bench in this one. Looked good hitting two threes. Missed the rest of his shots. Like that he forced the issue. Went inside a couple of times. Still looks like he's staying in good shape, even though he's not playing. Alec Burks, I got nothing to say. He was horrible. Theo Pinson didn't really play. Emmanuel quickly, uh, 26 points. But it was kind of a fake 26 points. Most of them came in garbage time. 6 of 13 from 3. Had some impressive ones. Such a good shooter when he gets in the rhythm. I thought he was a little bit too shot happy in this one and could strike a better balance. All right. I think that was about 150 seconds, Alex. I'm proud of myself. I think our bosses would be proud of us if, if we could somehow replicate that effort every podcast, but it'll never happen again. It was a once-in-a-lifetime occurrence. So David yeah. Locke, Nick Angstad, enjoy it while you can. You want to get into the mailbag? 
Yeah, you were pretty damn close, man. I was timing. I, I, I will fully admit, I looked down at my phone for a minute and I forgot exactly what time you started, but solid performance, giving Bill Pito a run for his money. <laughs> you know, that's, that, right. that's, that's who I aspire to be when I grow up, Alex. So, um, I'm, well, well, there you go. All right. <laughs> All right. Um, so, yeah, we'll get into our mailbag episode here. We actually have like the third segment is basically it's going to be one mega question that we sort of form between three questions. But this first one is uh, stands alone. It is it is its own deal. So Nick's Korea at Nick's Korea on Twitter asks, if you can add any one player to the current Knicks roster, who would he be? So the way that we kind of took this was like, like mostly that it would just be for the, the stretch run of this season. And it would be like a rental, I guess, Gavin, right? That was kind of your thought. Yeah. Yeah. My premise was, was any guy, but just for the rest of the year. So you're not just automatically saying, well, I'd like Luka Doncic for the rest of his career. Yeah, exactly. Or like, or like I want, you know, Kate Cunningham, <laughs> like I'll take him or Zion Williamson or whatever. Um, yeah. So it, I think that's a reasonable rule. And then we also kind of decided like, we would pick one star and one role player. And we're not even going to bother building trade packages and stuff for them. Um, we'll just kind of... This is a fantasy world. Say guys. Yeah, it's like, all fantasy world. Yeah, the number one... Like, all the superstars are, like... Like, the best player on each team outside of Julius Randle is available, and the Knicks have the first pick in the draft. Yeah. So, uh, you and I actually had an overlapping guy for the superstar, which was Steph Curry which we briefly talked about prior to the show. Um, I I don't know what more needs to be said about that choice other than like, obviously he gives the Knicks everything they would need. If you think about it in many ways, you know, the Knicks have some parallels to guys that you have seen on the Warriors previously that have been, you know, major players and major parts of them winning their championships where Steph was obviously the biggest part, but if you think about it, like Julius Randle, really good defensive power forward. I would say an even better initiator and distributor than Draymond Green, which is saying something, you know, really good rebounder, just like Draymond Green is. So, you know, sort of just like a, and a better three point shooter than Green by pretty wide margin, I think, especially this year. So that's a great parallel. You know, we've seen obviously Steph could work well with a player like that because of Steph's off ball ability. You know, his his ability to, you know, take uh, off ball screens and, you know, create threes for himself that way. That is such a valuable commodity that I think is under discussed with, you know, the fact that he's also so good at creating threes off the bounce and just shooting from anywhere. The fact that he is such a good catch and shoot three point shooter, too, and is willing to have the ball out of his hands for, you know, the better part of whole possessions sometimes is really part of what makes him and Golden State so great at their best. Um, but then you also have Mitchell Robinson, who's like a like a super version of like a JaVale McGee or whatever that, you know, has been part of the like the defensive anchor for those Warriors teams. You know, so you got a Mitch who can do that role so much better. RJ would be a, a downgrade obviously on Clay Thompson, uh, who's one of the best shooters of all time. Um, but you know, RJ has been shooting pretty well himself lately anyway. And I think he'd be more than admirable as the third best, you know, offensive player on the team, which is saying something. Cause you would still have Emmanuel quickly coming off the bench to give you basically Steph Curry light production and develop behind, you know, the greatest 
easily the greatest shooter of all time. Probably one of the top, at least five, or at least 10, if not five players of all time in the NBA, as far as the way that they've affected the game and all that good stuff. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, the rest of the team, you know, whatever. I, I just, I think that Steph would be the guy that if you could just pluck someone from any other team and put them on the Knicks right now and be like, all right, what could, what could make the, the Knicks a legitimate four seed, you know, or even better, you know, maybe they go on such a tear to end the season that they end up, you know, a two or three seed, which would not be out of the realm of possibility. Um, I think that Steph Curry is that guy. And I think that he would elevate the Knicks from, you know, this fun 500 ish team that they are right now to like, actual potential East contender status in one fell swoop with just one player. Yeah. I just, I just think he's, he's the single most fun player in the NBA and, and him and MSG, especially if, if everyone sort of knew the rules and they were like, this was just a one year special COVID deal. Um, I can, I can imagine the, the sheer joy, especially as, as, as we get closer and closer to playoff time and theoretically the Knicks have an almost full arena in the playoffs, um, th- those fans watching Steph Curry work his magic would, would, would just be complete delirium knowing that it, it was sort of like a one-time or, or like a, a one-month-only Broadway show. That's the greatest Broadway show of all time. And, and just the effect that he had on his teammates. Like I think, I think to your point, Mitchell Robinson would almost immediately get up to 18 points per game, um, shooting like 80% from the field. Julius Randle, like the efficiency would just skyrocket, and he'd have a lot of 10 assist games. So he's just setting up Steph. Time after time after time, I think if you gave Obi ten minutes a game with Steph, he he averaged like ten points in those ten minutes every single night and just be running down a wide open lane for dunks. And he could do the Draymond Green thing where he's playing four on three and could really show off his passing ability. Um, I, I know it would be a disaster defensively, but when you get Emmanuel quickly and Steph in there together and they're both cooking at the same time, that would just be insane. And and you could see a scenario where the Knicks kind of like the Warriors do with Steph and Clay, just absolutely bury teams behind like a barrage of threes. And, and then Frank, I think once you got down to like serious games and crunch time, such an ideal compliment next to Steph in, in, in terms of being able to cover for him defensively and guard the best person in the opposing backcourt, possession in, possession out, and then just play off of him and hit open threes and maybe a little secondary creation in there. And, and RJ obviously has never operated with that kind of open floor in, in his NBA tenure. So his strength and his ability to get to the rim it would be highlighted all the more. So just the cascading effect Steph would have. A couple of other fun suggestions uh, before we move on. Nikola Jokic, uh, obviously this is this is kind of in the scenario where Mitch is out because if not, you're not really maximizing your assets, but he, he would be a lot of fun. Like I'd love to see him and Randall just whipping passes all over the court and just befuddling opposing big men together and you get a lot of fun, high-low stuff. And, and Jokic is such a good shooter that he could give Randall kind of a four-out offense and let Randall like really still do his bully ball thing inside I think that would be that would be pretty compelling I also suggested to you Alex uh, Devin Booker Bradley Beal would also be good in that role but I would love the Knicks like I think I think two guard is I mean I guess if you maybe you consider RJ Barrett the two guard but I I feel like two guard or wing is really the position they're lacking right now and you you just slot them into the starting lineup for for Reggie Bullock and you have like either Frank Rose or quickly at point uh RJ Booker Randall and Mitch that would be that'd be pretty dirty I I would just love to see this team with one more like crazy isolation shot maker and I I I have Booker pretty high up there in terms of everyone in the league and I I think his just his general like swag and attitude would play pretty well at MSG yeah I think so too I I think Booker (laughs) I I wish that the the fantasy could still live on of potentially 
uh, Booker, you know, forcing a trade to the Knicks at some point. But the Suns are so good at this point, I really doubt that's going to be the case. At least as long as Chris Paul is there. Um, although we haven't we haven't discussed this yet, but there was the Brian Windhorst nugget dropped on some podcast where he said that he wouldn't be surprised if a star specifically forces a trade to the Knicks in the next 12 months and made it sound like he knows who the star is going to be. So that's interesting. I don't know who that's going to be, but maybe it could still be Devin Booker. We could still hold out hope, but yeah, he's like swaggy as all hell. Like it would definitely, it would be fun. You know, just imagine like all of his bubble antics, but translated to MSG. And with some crowd in there, it would it would be magical. Yeah, him and him um, and quickly together, man. That would be that'd be crazy. Yeah, that would be fantastic. I mean, those two together would just they would have a lot of fun. I bet. <laughs> Along with like RJ Randall, I mean, all the pretty much everyone on the Knicks seems to have a lot of fun. Yeah, and um, look, the Knicks are the Knicks are Devin Booker or Steph Curry away from being the most fun team in the NBA. I know in some ways that's a big step, in other ways that's a, that's a cool sentence. Yeah. And I think it's for real, too. You know, I think that's definitely the case. Um, as far as the role players go, as far as a person we would like to bring in to be a role player and, and do that, I think my answer, I don't feel like I have to get into this too, too much to justify it or anything. I would say Davis Bertans, even though, like, I know that he's in some ways fallen off a little bit this year, although... I know he started off really cold for the year. It looks like he's picked up quite a bit, his three-point shooting. Uh, people for the first, I don't know, like 10, 15 games were saying like, oh, he got his contract and now he forgot how to shoot. Uh, but it looks like he's at least started figuring out the three-point shooting again. He's shooting pretty woefully from the field overall, but 38% from three on like eight attempts per game right now. Not bad at all. Um, I just think that he would be a really good addition to the Knicks off the bench. You know, give them that elusive bench shooting, particularly at the four spot, um, where like Obi, you know, he maybe he'll get there someday, but he's no floor spacer yet. Um, Randall is like a legitimate floor spacer lately in the starting unit, so you know that way you have kind of that continuation where you still have a a sweet shooting four man in the second unit, just like you do in the first. I I think Bertans would be a good fit in that respect, just a volume shooter, get him out there just to, you know, shoot threes. And he's like respectable enough on defense and stuff that he's not going to like actively lose you games on defense most of the time. Um, which is fine because no matter what you'll have, you know, Noel or Mitch out there with him in a, in an ideal world where the Knicks get healthy and everything. And, uh, I, I think he'd be a really good fit, but I know when we were talking about this before the show, you had another really good answer to this one. Yeah, I got I got two names. The, the first one, the one we were talking about before the show, would be someone the Knicks could have had on their team, uh, Mikhail Bridges, Phoenix Sun. I feel like it's cheating because he's he's like he's one of those role players where it, not quite on like the Draymond Green level, but pretty close. Where he's like you could make the argument that he's he's too good to be considered a role player, and he's a star. But but I, I just love like that slight upgrade on the Reggie Bullock spot, a guy who's at least as good of a shooter. Um, this year has shown off some creation abilities, like, and, and just like has like insane, like go, go gadget arms, like where he's four feet away from the basket. And then all of a sudden he's like pivoting and dunking. Um, I, I would love to have a fifth guy who could just do work off the dribble. I feel like that would do wonders for the Knicks offense. And, and all of a sudden you would see them take a big leap there. I, I think they're just kind of one thread away right now from being really, really good 
on that end. And then defensively, I mean, the guy is just is, is absolutely locked down. He's I, I, Reggie Block has been great this year. He, he's he's even a step up from that. And and then the other one I say is like is like a little a little bit of like a troll to uh, to all my all my Knicks fans out there. But uh, Tyrese Halliburton, I, I think would I, I hate to say it, but he would be he would be a lot of fun on this team just with how unselfish he is and how good of a shooter he's turned out to be. And, and also his like defensively, like he's not like a great one on one defender, but he he gets a lot of steals and makes like a lot of like flash plays defensively and is really good anticipation. I, I just feel like his his intelligence on both ends combined with his shooting would play really, really well with the Julius Randle we're seeing this year. Yeah, I'm I'm in total agreement on both those guys. Particularly Bridges, it always <laughs> I was gonna say it always burns a little bit. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh there's a pun there. It always burns bridges. Um and, and, and it's a, and it's a sunstroke too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um but it always it always burns a little bit uh talking about him because he has definitely turned into a really good player. Could have could have been a Nick if not for the Kevin Knox pick, but say la vie. At least in this fictional scenario, we can have him be on the Knicks. Uh, but Gavin, I think that's all we got for this particular question, and it's the perfect time for me to let everybody know about an exciting new thing that's going to be going on this month. Of course, you hear us talk about built bars all the time. You know that they're the most delicious protein bar on the market they're chewy they're you know tasty they have they're coated in 100 natural chocolate and more importantly they have a ton of amazing flavors and on so to take advantage of that built bar this month is going to have built bar madness in conjunction with march madness so you can you know vote on those on twitter we're going to be promoting them uh you know pretty soon here once the tournament starts and built bars of course going to be seeding their flavors i am making this my official you know start to my propaganda campaign to get cookies and cream and coconut almond as number one seeds i think you know cookies and cream kind of a newcomer it was a new flavor last year but they're like hot on the scene they're like i don't know like like gonzaga when they first became like you know jumped out from mid-major to like a power school where you got to take them seriously. You got to take cookies and cream seriously, make them a number one seed. You know, it's, it's one of the best flavors. I don't care if it's only less than a year old deserves that spot. And then coconut almond, like it's too good. It's like, it tastes like an almond joy bar. It's basically indistinguishable to me, which is wild. Uh, if you do not make that a number one seed built bar, you're dead to me. I'm kidding. Because I'll definitely keep eating built bars, but you know, I, I want to see coconut almond be number one seed. So just so you guys know, the you know time frame for all this starting March eighth, each day they're gonna have built bar matchups that you can vote on on Twitter, and uh, you know you can take care of these things in, in almost in real time with uh, with how March Madness is gonna be going. March eighth to eleventh, they're gonna do play in rounds. 15th to 24th, they'll do the round of 16. The 25th to 30th, they'll do the Elite Eight. And then the 31st to April 1st will be the Final Four. And April 2nd will be the Built Bar Championship. So, locked on Knicks fans, I need you guys to step up. You know, even if my two favorites don't make the top seeds, we're going to we're gonna do this. We're going to make sure that Cookies and Cream and Coconut Almond hopefully are not meeting in, a, in you know, a Final Four matchup and are meeting in the championship somehow. We're, we're going to make this happen. One of those two flavors is going to win. 
And also, if you want to get some built bars for yourself, do a little taste test, figure out what your you know actual favorite flavors are. You can get a variety pack from builtbar.com right now, and you can get 20% off using the promo code locked on and you know, try them all for yourself. I, I say there's no better way to be an educated voter than to try every single possible flavor. So head to builtbar.com again, use promo code locked on, and you can try your hand with all of the different built bars and figure out which one you want to win built bar madness. And today's show is also brought to you by betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. If you bet against the Knicks tonight, you did great. Good job. It was smart. It was a trap game, obviously. I don't know if it could be a trap game when the other team is technically really good, but they're without some of their better players. I don't know. Whatever. You did good if you bet against the Knicks today. Football, you know, might be over, but the NBA, the Knicks, College basketball with March Madness coming up. The NHL, they're all in full swing right now. Bet Online even covers award shows, TV shows, and reality TV. You know, you can bet on whatever reality TV you want, The Bachelor, whatever. It's all up to you. Uh, BetOnline.ag has real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. And they have you covered with all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it is free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with promo code locked on. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right. Well, some great live reads there, and uh, we'll get right back into it. But first, wanted to remind everyone March Madness, if you're checking your calendar, is only a few weeks away, but the future of the NBA is on display right now. Get a head start on this year's draft analysis by subscribing to our good friend Chad Ford's NBA Big Board podcast. Draft guru Chad Ford has released his Big Board 2.0 with profiles of Kate Cunningham, Jalen Suggs, Evan Mobley, and much, much more. Subscribe to our good friend Chad Ford's NBA Big Board podcast wherever. You get podcast. All right, Alex, uh, third and final segment. Let's keep it rolling on this mailbag. Uh, this is uh, this is kind of an interesting situation here because we, we have a we have a couple of different questions, but uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave this to you. You, you had the ambition of combining all of them. Um, you, you're kind of playing 4D chess right now. You're like Zach Galifianakis in the first Hangover movie, where he sees all the numbers flash in front of his face. How, how are you to combine these all into like one mega question? Okay, well, here's, I'll just read them first, and then I'll connect all the threads, like a PI, you know, putting up the push pins on a board, and then, you know, stringing them together with string, I'm going to find the common strings that bind these questions together and turn it into a super question, because ultimately, they're all driving at roughly the same point. Uh, So first one comes from Larry Israel, at Larry Israel 2. Question is potential trade targets, Terrence Ross, Malik Beasley, Depot, meaning Victor Oladipo. Who would help most and what would the potential price tags be? All right. Next question. Stay true Knicks at stay true Knicks. In a trade for Bradley Beal, which of RJ or IQ would you be more willing to part with in a trade? All right. Next part. Period. Just a period. At Barrett King 89, who would be your favorites to target in a trade? And how much is the maximum you would give up in a deal for them? Some that come to mind are Beal, McCollum, Old Depot, and Beasley. So obviously here we have 
let's see, common threads of Malik Beasley in two questions, Bradley Beal in two questions, Oladipo in two questions, uh, CJ McCollum only in one. Shouts to Barrett King eighty nine and uh, Terrence Ross only in one. Shouts to Larry Israel, but basically leads us along the same thread, right, Gavin? So uh, out of all these traits, all right. So let's try to I guess keep it limited to these guys. So. All the guys that are mentioning these questions. So Terrence Ross, Malik Beasley, Victor Oladipo, Bradley Beal, uh, CJ McCollum. And that's it. Yeah. Right. So that's five, five different guys. Um, my way of sort of combining this would be how would you rank them as far as desirability for the Knicks to go after right now with the price tag in mind? And then I guess, what do you think would be the price tag for them? And would you be willing to pay it for those guys as well? Which I guess also factors into the desirability, which is, is sort of a lot to to chew on. Yeah. But how would you how would you tackle that? Wow. <laughs> Thanks for leaving with the easy part. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I did the hard part. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you, know, you the, I, that was putting the question together. <laughs> you you did so you combined them. Yep. Um, wow. Okay. I think. I mean, I, it's easy to rank them just in terms of how good they are in terms of. Price tag, that, that's an interesting question. I honestly, and, and for me, I, the reason I'm stalling and the reason I think it's so tough is I probably wouldn't want any of them at the price tag. I think Malik Beasley would be the closest thing you could get to a steal because of, I mean, some of like, I mean, like the fact that he was like arrested for a, for a violent crime this offseason. Uh, maybe Minnesota wants to get off of him, though I think he's he's actually been nominally one of the few good parts of, of what's been a bad season there and, and long-term uh, pairing him up defensively with IQ offensively would be deadly with how, how good they are both shooting defensively. It'd be, it'd be a little iffy. Um, if I were the Knicks, that would be a huge concern of mine, but my instinct is they don't want to trade him. Obviously Beal is the best player on the board. The question is if you're the Knicks, like how much is, is too much for him? If it's, if it's RJ Barrett and, like all the picks, I would I would think about that. If it's RJ Barrett, Obi Toppin, and all the picks, I'd still think about that. But then if it's RJ Barrett and Mitchell Robinson, RJ Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly, plus a ton of picks, that's where you start losing me a little bit. But I guess to answer your question, I would go Beasley, Beal, McCollum, Oladipo. I kind of feel like you can get on the cheap, but I, I don't desperately want him so Oladipo's probably fourth for me even though I'll, I'll move him ahead of McCollum I think he makes more sense than McCollum and you probably get him at a cheaper price so a revised list is is Beasley, Beal, uh, Oladipo, McCollum, uh, Ross I just I don't really have any desire to get so he's he's last for me. Oh see I was actually going to say when you're <laughs> you're saying like oh all of them would cost too much I feel like Terrence Ross you would be able to get somewhat affordable i just don't think the knicks like need another guy to come off the bench and like chuck a lot of three like i'm not like obviously this year's team it would it would slightly help them to have him but who's i mean is that is is frank out of the rotation now if you get ross like who who are you taking out of the rotation to to put him in the rotation this might be like kind of weird and convoluted but i would almost try to like sell high sell as high as i can on alec burks okay and then buy yeah. And then buy low on Terrence Ross. So just kind of like swap one for the other, like one gunner for the other. And granted, I think Burks has a little bit more useful skills all in all. Um, and Ross would be a little bit of a downgrade, but he wouldn't be such a huge downgrade that you'd be like, you know, losing more games and stuff as a result of swapping 
him in for Alec Burks. I think he would still, you know, he's he's a somewhat efficient scorer. Uh, efficient is a strong. Well, he's, he's a better. Uh, I mean, unless he fell off. I mean, he, he's usually a better three point shooter than Alec Burks is. No, I would say not. <laughs> he's uh, is, he, is he is he bad now? He was so hot to begin the year. I mean, he's not bad, but I think he's for his whole career. He's always been well. Some years he's been pretty good, but like. <laughs> yeah. A lot of years he's been kind of streaky. Like this year, he's shooting 34% on six attempts a game. Uh, last year, 35% on seven and a half attempts a game. Year before that, uh, 38% on seven attempts per game. That's That was a really good year. Uh, but the year prior to that, uh, 32% on four attempts per game. Granted, it seemed like he had some injury struggles that year, only played in 24 games. Um, but, you know, it's a. I guess it's he's more I think of like a J.R. Smith type than you know Burks, who is more of like a I don't even know what type. A Burks type. Just a Burks type, yeah, a more efficient version of that. Yeah, um, who plays a little more within himself and doesn't you know come in and just get his shots no matter what. Um, but like his overall shooting too, he's not very good at the rim. You know, he's <clears throat> mostly just a jump shooter. At this point, which I guess you could sort of say for Burks in a way, though Burks can finish some layups from time to time. Um, but yeah, that that would be a thought of mine. Would be potentially move Burks, uh, get you know if you could get a first round pick for him, awesome. Um, if you can get a couple decent second round picks, cool. And then maybe you know I, I don't know that Orlando would be quite so you know willing to do this sort of deal, but maybe just give a second rounder even with some protections to Orlando for him if they kind of just want to get off the salary um and it sounds like they're ready to maybe be sellers at the deadline I think based off some reporting but like he's getting paid this year 13 and a half million then 12 and a half million next year and 11 and a half million uh in 2022-23 so maybe they just want to get rid of his contract or whatever it is admittedly a little pricey and would be a little limiting for the Knicks, but I also don't think that Ross is the type of guy that you couldn't just get some other team to take on for a heavily protected second round pick at some point that is just in desperate need of some shooting and stuff. So Yeah, I just um, I would I, I think I'm okay with what the Knicks have right now, and I'd rather with one of the two first round picks, I'd rather go get a Moses Moody or a Corey Kispert to play that role for the Knicks next season. Oh, for sure. And, you know, it's not to say that you have to leave Ross in a huge role forever. Um, you just easily trade him in the offseason. Like I said, that some team will strike out in free agency or whatever and want a little bit of extra help. Yeah. And then you could just say, whatever, here, you can have him for a song. I don't care. Like, we just drafted Corey Kispert or whatever. Um, so, you know, it would just be an interesting idea. But to get more into the spirit of the question <laughs> with, like, Terrence, uh, Terrence Ross is sort of the outlier in this discussion. Um, I, I think my ranking will probably be pretty similar to yours. I, Beal is obviously number one. And probably even with the price it would take to acquire him, I would probably still put him at number one. Although there is a part of me that would want to make maybe Oladipo ahead of him. Because I just think that Oladipo is not going to cost a ton. But I, I also, I don't know, I'm not 100% sold that like Oladipo is going to reclaim his old self you know what I mean like it since he came to Houston he's actually shooting all in all worse 
significantly than he did with Indy to start the year. Um, you know, he's still a really good defender, but he's just horrendously inefficient right now. I mean, 39% since he, since he got traded to Houston, he's shooting 39% overall, 29.7% from three, um, 75% from the free throw line. That's fine. But that's under 50 uh, effective field goal percentage, which is not great. He does still, he, you know, he averages five rebounds, five assists. He is a pretty good ball mover. You know, he could do some spot uh, point guard-esque things for you. So that's useful and definitely a good defender. But also his health, you know, potentially an issue going forward. He's last couple of years really struggled with that um, ever since his, his year where he was like basically an MVP candidate almost for Indiana. Um, so I feel like it would have to be a low risk investment for me, but if it was, if it was something real cheap where you're basically just giving Houston some cap relief and, you know, maybe some second round picks and like Kevin Knox or something at that price point versus the super, super primo price point that you mentioned for Bradley Beal might push him ahead of Beal for me, just because then I could say, you know, all right, whatever, like Old Depot might never refine himself, but if all it cost me was Kevin Knox and a couple second round picks to try him out for the end of this year and hopefully, you know, use that leg up that you get from the bird rights and everything to re-sign him in the summer uh, to a deal that's not super exorbitant, like max contract level stuff, then maybe it's worth it. You know, particularly if he shows out to end the year, you kind of just buy yourself a lottery ticket on the cheap and, uh, you know, don't have to dump your whole, you know, franchise into acquiring a Bradley Beal and hoping that, first off, you could get out of that without including Julius Randle, because that's the only way I see that making sense. And then secondly, not including so much that you're going to run into like another uh, mellow situation where you're left with this roster with two stars and absolute you know, skeleton crew around them and not enough draft picks going forward to fill out the roster. So it's a, it's an interesting thing to think about as far as Beal. I just don't think the timeline is quite right for a Beal trade right now. Yeah, um, I'm I'm intrigued to see what Oladipo's price is because, I mean, you would assume Houston is going to trade him given that he just turned down a, a two-year $45 million extension there. I, I wonder if the Celtics, with that trade exception, maybe go after him. Or to your point, like there's there's possibly a scenario where where like teams around the league are just like that that dude has had one great season. We're we're not going to give up anything of a value for him, especially when it when it's still like he hasn't consistently gotten back to a hundred percent. He had a pretty good stretch um, pre bubble, like or, or pre shutdown last year rather, where he kind of looked like his old self. And then this year comes back in Indiana. There's a situation where they almost had too many cooks in the kitchen, like a bunch of different guys who needed the ball and wanted to score and saw themselves as like the alpha or the co-alpha on that team and goes to Houston, which, and, and, and doesn't really get a chance to get in rhythm there before getting hurt. Um, So there's a case to be made that there's still a star in there. If I'm the Knicks, I'm just, I'm not giving up anything. I, I deem a long-term piece for him. And I, I think Houston, given the that he, in some ways, outside of obviously like the litany of picks, he, he was somewhat the jewel of the James Harden trade. I, I think they're going to really push to get either first or, or something of value for him. And and I just I, I just don't think that's on the table. He's not a guy I, I'm I'm really at all interested like in the Knicks going after this offseason unless again like he completely turned it around and went back to the um, seventeen eighteen version of himself, but. 
I, I don't know. I, I just, I personally, I think it's a long shot. And I think it's really sad because he, he was looking like one of the like 15 best players in the league, but I, I just think it's a long shot. He ever gets back to that point. Um, but Alex, we, we didn't really answer one of the questions within the, the beautiful mind uh, mega question. Uh, are you, would, would, I know we sort of covered this with Tom the other day, but would you lean more towards giving up RJ or IQ in a, in a potential deal for Beal? I would probably go RJ just because I think that Beal would be fitting into the role that RJ currently occupies. Whereas, you know, IQ, I could just see a more realistic scenario where he could play with Beal more easily, which I don't know if that's necessarily a guarantee. It would have to be the ideal version of IQ. I think we've seen quickly looking for his own shot a little too often lately which is slightly concerning, although he is a rookie and he'll get, he'll get reeled in at some point by Tibbs and, you know, Tibbs will tell him, look, man, like you can't just keep coming down the floor, only looking to get your own shot. Um, so maybe, you know, if, if you could get the best possible version out of IQ where he can run off ball and do that sort of stuff when Beal has the ball and, you know, can use his uh, really good dishing abilities, then that's, I think the best potential pairing. Whereas RJ, you know, I just think that they would occupy more or less the same role as like the secondary playmaking playmaking wing, um, and I don't really think it would be a fantastic fit. Uh, and I also think that RJ just would sort of be the more appealing player to them in the fact that like he's the potential star wing, which is like the key position in today's NBA. So he would probably be more attractive to the Wizards as well in that deal. So I think if it came down to one or the other, hard as it is to say, the other aspect too is that quickly is on like a $1 million contract for the next three years after this too. RJ has two more years that will eventually pay him like almost $10 million on the last year. So that's that's another factor too is cap flexibility. But, you know, it'd be tough. It'd be a tough decision between the two, but I, I would ultimately opt to keep quickly, I think. Yeah, I I lean the I lean the same way, and I, I think the the money component is a good one. I, I'd be interested to see like maybe maybe our guy of Vork could pull this off, but I'd be interested to see an anonymous GM survey type deal of of how teams in the league value all the Knicks assets and and who would like whether like in a vacuum RJ or quickly would be considered um, to be the better um, option. And I think I think most teams would still take RJ just because of the pedigree, uh, and and maybe that would indicate that they haven't watched the Knicks quite enough. Because I would I, I don't think it's like easily quickly because RJ obviously shows shows some really really good flashes, but I would I would certainly lean quickly in that conversation as well. All right, uh, final guy that we we didn't really go over in depth is CJ McCollum, and I just I don't really see. I think he's a great player. I'd love to have him on the Knicks. But I think particularly like pre quickly, I would say like that's that's the kind of guy the Knicks need to go after. But quickly fills some of the same role to some extent. Obviously, he's not he's not nearly the mid range assassin that CJ is, and probably will will never be. Um, but but does some of the same stuff in terms of like off the dribble, like pull up shooting and um, burgeoning ability to get to the basket and, and just general creation. And I think him and I mean him and CJ together would sort of be a lesser version of CJ and Dame, and we know there's a cap ceiling on that. And, and the fact of the matter is, uh, Portland is is just incredibly invested in the duo of of him and Dame, and they've been reticent to shop either one of them over the years, despite 
playoff failures. So I, I, I think it would take a whole lot to get one or the other. Um, I mean, obviously Dame in particular, but CJ as well. So I, I just don't really see that being a fit with the pieces the Knicks have unless they wanted to trade like IQ straight up in like a package of picks. But I, I don't I don't really know why Portland would do that. Like they're they're kind of in the midst of Western Conference contention. They're at Dame's peak. They're only going to be making win now moves for the foreseeable future after all the loyalty that Dame showed them. Yeah, that's the big thing that I would like for sure. It, it would for sure make CJ be the third guy on this list to me. Um, and I guess I won't even really get into Beasley too much. I feel like that's like the one good thing that Minnesota has going for them right now. And I feel like they would, I mean, maybe if they reach a point where they feel like they're going to trade cat or something, they would entertain offers for him, but he's also not a guy I would give up too many assets for. So, which they would be looking to get assets cause they consider him a big asset. Um, as far as McCollum, I mean, I actually would love his fit with the Knicks in many ways, but to your point, the price tag would just be too high. Like you can't, it's like, this is like NBA 2K, you know, stuff. You know what I mean? You can't go up to a team that's like in the contending phase and be like, hey, trade us one of your best players yeah. because they're going to say, oh, okay, send us a player back that can help us keep contending. Yeah, we, we, we'd like Julius Randle, please. And, and maybe and maybe something yeah. else. Yeah, they'd be like, we want Julius Randle and quickly or something. Like we need this to be worth our while because we're blowing up our chemistry of our really good team to, you know, satisfy your need to trade for another star, I guess. Um, so, you know, they would, the price would be way too high for McCollum. They just, they, they're not going to part with him. Um, much like, you know, there's like pipe dreams too of like, Oh, what if the Knicks get trade for Dame? And it's like, they'll never do that because Dame doesn't care to leave for one thing. And then, you know, so he's not going to force their hand. And then for two, they would be like, all right, well, if you want Dame Lillard, you're going to have to give us like every player on your roster and every pick for the next 10 years. How's that sound? Cause that's the only way we're getting rid of him, like over our dead body. Um, you know, I, I just, I don't think it's, I don't think CJ's realistic for that reason. So that's why he comes in like a very solid third, the one or two, one and two is a, a toss up between, like I said, Beal and Oladipo just because of price points. Um, but Beal, as far as just the, if I was ranking these just in terms of what players I like the best and think I would want most on the Knicks, it would be Beal McCollum, uh, Old Depot, Beasley, and then Ross. <laughs> Ross, our distant fifth down there. If you had to guess the star that Windhorse was referencing, would you would you say Beal? Out of let's just say everyone who made the All Star game goes into the star category. Um, I actually sleeper kind of think maybe it's Carl Towns. Oh, interesting. Yeah, that's that's. Fair. Did he make the All Star team? No, he didn't. But he no, he, no, he qualifies as a star. Yeah, but I would say he qualifies as a star. Um, I think him. Um, or, I, it, honestly, it's it kind of just comes down to like who used to be like Leon Rose clients. No, Towns Town, um, makes the most sense. I, I actually agree with you. I, I think Towns would make the most sense. And there's even those seeds being planted of like, there was, I forget who sourced it, but there was a report that came out that was like, Source says that you know Thibodeau would be okay with the Towns reunion. Like, <laughs> I love I love that phrasing. Tom Thibodeau would be okay uh, acquiring one of the greatest offensive big men of all time. Well, I mean, I think it's just because there was there was reported friction. Yeah, yeah, no, between I know those like, two that yeah. that ended Tibbs's tenure there. But yeah, um, I think that would be the 
the guy that I would that I would think would be the one just because it, you know Booker is in a good situation Embiid is in a good situation like I just can't those are the two other you know that's like the big three of former Leon Rose clients and I just can't see Embiid or Booker being like I want to be traded away from my really good situation where I'm either on the one seed in the east or the four seed in the west with potential for more um, you know, to come to the Knicks just because I want to be with Leon Rose. Whereas, you know, Towns now is in like his fourth straight year, one with Tibbs, I, I, you know, or couple with Tibbs, ironically, where, you know, the, the Timberwolves have been trying and trying and trying to put a winning team around him. And it's just not happening it's, it's through no fault of his own. In some cases, some of it's just the stars not aligning with, you know, uh, injuries and stuff like that. Other parts is the fact that like they just add guys that don't complement him well at all. Like their solution to oh we have a defensively challenged big man who's one of the best offensive players in the league was let's put more offense at the one and two and just hope it works and no defense like who cares about defense? Um, it just it's not a good not a good strategy there. Um, so I, you know, I think he'll be the one that's going to be like, all right, it's over. Like it was nice while it lasted, but please trade me and please trade me to the Knicks if you don't mind, because I want to go reunite with my old agent and my old coach, who I now hopefully will play better for, um, and try harder on defense for, and all that, and you know, go with that. So yeah, that's that's my guess is Carl Towns. All right, Alex, we are officially over an hour. That means it's time for us to call it a night, uh, but we will be back obviously later this week. The Knicks have one more game before the All-Star break against the Pistons. We, we still have the second half of that interview with PD Webb. A couple more mailbag sections, maybe some surprise guests in the next week plus. Who knows? Lots of fun stuff coming up. Stay with 